Hey men, welcome to the Act Like Men 365 podcast. I'm Kevin Hill. I am a Christian, husband, father, and dog collector. And today's the day. We've been talking about it for about a week now. Uh, It's been on social media. Our conversation with Jim Ramos. Jim Ramos is the founder of Men in the Arena. He is a giant in the biblical manhood movement in equipping and discipling men to be what they were designed to be. We had a great conversation. Unfortunately, about 45 minutes or so into the conversation, we started getting some technical glitches uh, that got worse. And so the last five minutes or so, we actually had to to edit off because the audio was overlapped and and there was nothing I could do about that. So I'm going to throw on a little bit at the end where, you know, uh, Jim prayed us out. Uh, We talked a little bit about Jim's upcoming book and hopefully we'll be able to have Jim back on when that book comes out. But without further ado, here is our conversation with Jim Ramos. All right, guys, today we have a special guest. I am thrilled to have Jim Ramos with us. Jim Ramos is the founder of Men in the Arena. He's a pastor. He's a prolific author. Men in the Arena is a nonprofit international men's organization that trusts Jesus Christ to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing the world. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. That's our war cry, and we'll gladly, hopefully, die for it. Uh, Jim, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, like I said, this is this is very exciting uh, for me personally, and and I know it's going to be excited for exciting for our listeners. Well, man, I really appreciate you having you on the show. It's an honor to be a part of this, and uh, like I said, I'm here to serve you and and share whatever I can to help out, man. Well, that that's great. You know, it's uh, you know, we we talked a little bit uh, before we started rolling here, and and you know. There are some uh, some things happening uh, in our world today, in our society today, that are not great, not cool, uh, and and that's putting it that's way underselling it. It, yeah. it is kind of dark out there uh, with some of what's going on. And I, from from reading the website, from looking through uh, the videos you've got on YouTube, which you know any guys out there, you definitely have to check out Men in the Arena on YouTube. Jim hits on on a lot of points of a lot of accountability and a lot of uh, benefits to biblical manhood. And so, you know, we, we can't thank you enough for being a warrior in this fight and, and helping to train up and equip uh, more men. Um, how did Men in the Arena come about? Man, that's a, that's a loaded <laughs> question. So, yeah, so uh, I'd been doing ministry in the local church since about 1990. And in 2010, I was invited out to Colorado to speak at a men's weekend, and uh, God really showed up. And I, I realized, man, I really love speaking to men, and uh, I really began to process my life. And and um, God led me down a path to where I was in a coffee shop in in Sisters, Oregon, and I was uh, drinking a cup of coffee, and it was a Christian coffee shop. I didn't know it at the time, but on the cup <laughs> there was a quote that said. Uh, the glory of man is God fully alive. And it was written in AD 185 from a man named St. Irenaeus. Anyway, I started pondering that and I was like, well, Lord, I don't feel fully alive. What's going on? And I started just taking stock like, God, who did you make me? And I realized, you know, 
yesterday I did a I benched a 225 16 times. I saw that. 55. You know, so I'm like, I'm a big burly guy. When I walk into the room at 55, even people go, how you doing? You know, and so God has given me a body that men respect. And and when I speak, I speak in a voice that men respect. And I, I like to hunt and fish and do the outdoors, which really appeals to like the small American town kind of guy, you know. Uh, guys respect that. I played college football, um, all these things. And I realized, man, when I started asking myself, you know, what really bothers me in ministry, but what really bothers me is weak sauce men who don't step up and fulfill the responsibilities. I went through a series of questions <laughs> and every question came to the same answer, men. And I sat in this leather chair in a coffee shop, staring at a stuffed elk and a you know, mounted barons of salmon. And I remember saying to God, God, did you just, are you calling me something different? And God just shared, whispered to me, yeah, I just changed your heart. And so that really began the process in late 2010. And so I went and I started a Bible study with 15 of my friends, uh, age, age, ranging in age from 19 to 74-ish. And we met at six in the morning on Tuesdays. And I was just writing curriculum. I would just write studies. And I've never worked with men before. And it just exploded. These guys, their lives were changed. Their marriages were changed. And it was really God affirming, hey, this is what I've called you to do. So in February 2011, I resigned at the church I was working. Uh, I'd worked there for almost a decade. I let, And then on in June, I stepped out in faith full time and launched Men in the Arena. It was at the time called The Great Hunt for God. Uh, for various for different reasons I won't explain right now <laughs> and we launched a ministry you know in the church if you leave a church on good terms you get nothing you get no severance <laughs> you get nothing that's what I got I got nothing and so yeah. we started from scratch um, I thought we'd lose our house we almost did that's another redemptive story but we just stepped out in complete faith and we launched something from scratch and uh, nine years later uh, nine years later here we are and God has really been faithful and has done miracle after miracle. And I'm just humbled by the fact that guys like you in Oklahoma City are saying, hey, we wanna talk to you. I'm like, what? You know, it's just, <laughs> it's it's humbling and uh, it's just an honor. So that's the basics right. of my story. Well, that, that's awesome. I uh, I watched your YouTube video. There's, there's you at Boone's Chapel in Prattville, Alabama. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and you, you tell the story about kind of stepping out. Yep. yep. Um, you know, on, on faith and, and thinking you're going to lose your house. And, and that's a, that's a great video for people to watch. Um, you know, before we jump into, I, I like to talk about, I call them the first four. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, kind of four points that I, I want to talk to all the guys I, I'm uh, lucky enough or blessed enough to get to talk to. Benefits of biblical manhood, subtle faith killers, bad Christian men and accountability. But before we, we get to that, you had another video that I watched where you had, um, oh man, what was his name? You had, it, it was very recent, John, Joe Rigney. Oh, Joe Rigney, yeah, yeah Battlefield yeah. of the Mind. Battlefield Victory from Lust. Yes. And I, I watched that one, that interview, and, and it was an excellent interview. But there was a, a thing that Joe said that, you know, he, he made a comment about the guilt associated with and I, that was the only part that I, that of the interview where I said, I don't see that. Um, 
you know, if, if you're on social media at all, and, and I'm on some several Facebook groups, I'm a new dad. I'm 42, but my oh, wow. little girl's not not yet two years old. And so I'm on several dad uh, pages on Facebook. This stuff comes up all the time, you know, porn and and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And I almost can't find shame in, in men talking about. It. I'm sorry, wow. in the guy talking about. It. Wow. Um, I, I almost. I mean, it's such a low percentage of guys who are like, "Why would you do this?" You know, even if you take the 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 Bible and the morality out of it, statistically, it's a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But that was the one thing that, that was said that I was like, I, you know what? That That's something that I see so little of, the, the shame and the guilt that we talk about attaching to that, um, which is one of the reasons that I think we're in such a, a dark era. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to, to touch on that and, and say, you know, not that I disagree, but it's just not something that I've come across, uh, you know, in, in the, the social media side of it. Well, I, you know, the, the reason why you didn't come across it is because... 32 or 34 percent of christian men think it's okay so you've got you've got uh there's huge amounts of men especially the under 35 crowd that think living together before marriage is okay that think uh, pornography is okay now when i was a young man i got gave my life to christ around 18 but before that pornography was a prize it was a it was something to brag about it was something to like you know, yeah, I mean, we would go watch a movie or something in college. We thought that was the coolest thing ever. We would celebrate our sin. Celebrate right. it. When I gave my life to Christ, I realized this is destructive. And so yeah. I've been battling lust all my life. Uh, you know, all my life on various forms. Right? I'm a man. Sure. So various forms. And so uh, is there shame attached to it? No. Is there guilt? For me, it's uh, there's a conviction that, hey, this is something you need to constantly battle to gain mm-hmm. victory over because this is a sin and it is wrong and it is destructive and it'll lead to the objectivity of your wife, of your children, of other women, and it's not a good thing. The problem in the church today is that I I, I got an email, Kevin. I got an email a week ago from a 70-year-old man who's a dear friend of mine who I highly respect. He's actually ghostwriting a book for me that's going to come out in the fall. And so he asked me, Jim, uh, what do you think about this? So a famous actor just got engaged and he's an outspoken Christian. And as soon as he got engaged, he moved his girlfriend in. And so the evangelical world is like, bro, what are you doing? He's like, there's nothing wrong with this. We're engaged. And so I don't know who it was, did a survey. And in the survey, it, it came about across that a majority of evangelical pastors actually think that was okay. Yeah. So if evangelical pastors think that living together before marriage is okay, what has happened to this world? And so that's exactly right. To make a long story short, the reason why there's no guilt attached to it is most guys really don't think it's wrong. Yeah. I, I, sadly, I I have to agree because that's, that's exactly where we are. I mean, and, and, you know, I did a, 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 bonus episode of my podcast uh, a little while back about anger anger is my my biggest uh stumbling block i am one of those that since i was two or three years old i've been mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm like uh, mark ruffalo in the uh, 2012 avengers where he, 
he tells Captain America, I'm always angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'm just that guy. I'm 6'5", I weigh 300 pounds. You know, I, I'm a I'm a big man. And uh, yeah, I'm always, you know, I, I'm ready for it at all times. I hear you. Uh, I, went, I was a military kid. I went to a lot of schools. I was always the new kid. I fought a lot. You know, I spent a lot of time in principal's offices. Um, so anger is my, my thing. And, and one of the things in my, I, I researched for that episode for four months. Wow. Uh, because it's such a, a personal and, and big deal in my life. And I got to say, you know, learning that the only anger that's permissible is righteous anger. And that's being angry at the things that God would be angry about that would make God angry has really, you know, convicted me and, and really, you know, my wife told me a couple weeks after I got done researching all that, she said, her, you seem happier. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And she said, well, since our daughter was born, uh, you know, you've had this extra anger. You're super tender with her. You know, you're a great dad, but when you're away from her, you're this, you're even more angry than Mm. And I was like, really? And and we figured out that goes back to some of my own issues from childhood and realizing that I didn't understand guys who were not good fathers before I had a daughter. Yeah. And having her was a, a subconscious trigger of being more angry about how someone could be a, a not good father. Mm -hmm. um, and, and researching that kind of helped me deal with that. But like I said, I, I'm one of those guys that, that it was angry all the time. But now looking at things like pornography and whatnot through the lens of righteous anger, instead of looking at it in what gets me fired up, you know, this contributes to sex trafficking, it, you know, the, the abuse of drugs and the, all the things that go along with it. Looking at it through the grief that's attached to Righteous anger has a sense of loss to it because you've lost something that is God's. Mm -hmm. And uh, so so looking at it that way is, has really, you know, made it even more of a, a tragedy. In you know, that we have all these guys, even like you said, guys in the church, pastors, who are just, yeah, you know, it's kind of where we are. You know, they, they, they've given up the, the fight. Yeah. And, uh, it's a fight I plan on getting into. <laughs> well, and that's the key thing. Uh, I share this with guys all the time. One of the signs that you are a disciple is your fight or your battle against sin. So I'm mm. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say I'm going to go out there and not sin ever again. But I'm going to battle those sure. things that uh, prevent freedom, that keep me captive, that bring me down. You know, uh, that's part of our role and our job as believers is to live a holy life and to battle sin. Mm -hmm. I never battled sin before I was a Christian. I didn't care. I celebrated sin. So now sure. I battle sin. It's a massive paradigm shift in the life of a believer. Well, and, and uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned, and we'll, we'll get to it here in a second, the, the uh, kind of the soft men or guys mm -hmm. in the church, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so many preachers and pastors, look, you know, we'll, we'll start with that. We'll start with the bad men, bad Christian men. And I put bad in quotes because I don't mean they're evil. They're, you know, I'm not talking about the free sex scandals and things like that. I'm talking, when I, when I say the bad men of, of Christianity, I am specifically talking about the soft, 
uh, safe, non-dangerous or undangerous. You know, the, I call them the Dockers pastels, short sleeve, button up shirt wearing, effeminate church. For sure. <laughs> and I know I pigeonholed them, but growing up uh, when I did, that's what every guy in the church looked like. Hmm. Interesting. You know, it, it, it was, I, I was, I, I was saved. I came to Jesus when I was 17. I got my Jesus card and I, I stuck it in my wallet and I went on about my day. I wasn't convicted until I met my wife, the woman who's now my wife. And, you know, we went through some rough times and, and we started going to the church together. And it was through going to that church that I, I became convicted that I can't just say, you know, yep, I, I checked the box, I'm good. There has to be a reflection, it has to be a change. Mm -hmm. And so that was in uh, 2012. And so since 2012, I've gradually, you know, been, been walking through this. And, um, especially when you start out and, and you start being convicted about all kinds of things that you thought were great before. Uh, th those are painful times. Uh, or at least they were for me. So, <laughs> you know, the, I, I don't ever remember until 2012 hearing a sermon that was challenging. You know, hearing a, a, a sermon that, that was convicting or would risk someone not coming back next time. And, and is that something that through your time in, in ministry as a pastor or as a, uh, a guy actively doing ministry, you've seen? Oh. <laughs> oh, there's so much there. First of all, I'll just say this. I would be careful to attach pastel to the effeminate man. <laughs> oh, here's the only reason why. Because men come in all shapes and sizes. I've seen yeah. that guy with pastels and the pin protector and the broken glasses be some of the most I, I've seen guys that have to be some of the most manly, manly men I know and I've I've sure. seen the big tough uh, uh, for example Navy SEALs for example I'm a huge fan of the military but and Navy SEALs are probably the most compartmentalized humans on the planet they're the greatest yep. warriors on the planet but when it comes to marriage they may be an elite class of wimps when it comes to marriage they divorce at a 90 to 95% rate in peacetime right which tells me that they're wimpy on marriage, but they're probably pretty strong on drinking and other women and pornography. And so we have to be really careful to, to put a man in a box, but when it comes, so I, I've seen fat guys be manly, skinny guys be manly, Prius drivers be manly, cat <laughs> owners be manly, you know, cat Democrats, owners, no. God help me, be manly, you know, and so I've seen all sorts of guys who are manly and all sorts of guys who aren't. I think the bad guy in the church is the guy who is anonymous. So the men in the arena is all about calling guys out of the anonymous bleachers and into the game. And 80% of men in churches are anonymous. They're virtually anonymous. Sure. And so that guy is a danger to his family. He is a liability. He is an, not an asset. And the problem with the guys in churches today who choose to be anonymous, they're allowed to remain so from pastors who are gutless cowards and do not call these men out of the bleachers. And I think the reason, there's a couple reasons why I think that happens. 
The first reason mm -hmm. is Christianity. I, I read 40 to 50 books a year. Okay. I've just okay. heard of the podcast and different things. I mean, I've, I've got, I've got, you know, I've got, I'm endorsing this book. I just finished reading this book. You know, I've got, I read books. I'm always reading books, but I'm, okay. I'm here to tell you that the church has become over intellectualized. Sure, and the church is run by men who have a paper degree that nobody would have ever followed in the real world, but they have a paper yeah. degree because they're over intellectualized with a master's degree or an MDiv or a PhD. And then they stand up in front with their paper degree and they realize, man, nobody's going to follow me. So they target the women. Yeah, exactly. They, they target the women in their preaching. They target the women in their budgets because the, they won't attract the guys. So now the women are yep. bringing their kids to church. You have children's ministry, youth ministry, women's ministry budgets, and the men get typically men get less than 1% of a budget of a church. It's usually like a quarter of a percent. And so th this is, this is because I believe that a godly man who is in the arena is a danger to the enemy, but can be seen as a threat to the pastor. Oh, certainly. And, and like I just had to talk to my pastor this week. I said, hey, man, I had to talk to him about a couple things that I thought he needed to improve on. And he took it. I mean, I, I, we hired a man as a pastor. I appreciate it. And he took it, you know. Yeah. But but when you have godly men leading the charge in a church, they're going to call the pastor out. Where yes. the women typically won't do that on the same level. And so what the pastor does is he 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 creates these vanilla or generic messages that appeal to all. And what I think he should do is he should target only the men in his messages, target the men, hammer the men. Everything is about focusing on the men yep. and the women will come because yes. when a man gets it, everyone wins. So that that's my thought on that. It, it, 100%. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm right I know that's not too you. politically my, correct. My friend, you know what? You know, Jesus didn't come to, to make a political movement or well, statement. You know, he, he came he came to, to win the hearts. Of I got to tell you a funny story. So I, I got addressed by somebody in my church came up to me. Uh, I, I was the lead elder of our church for a couple of years and I stepped out. I just got too many things going on. But I had another elder came up and said, hey, the, some of the women are complaining about you. I'm like, what? Yeah, because whenever I get up to speak or do an announcement, I say this is a man church. And it is 65% of our church is men. It's complete opposite of another church. We have a huge oh, amount of men. Holy cow. And I say, this is a man's church. Well, the women are offended because, well, we have a strong ministry too. And I, I'm like, I agree that you do. But when I say a man church, I don't mean women aren't welcome. I don't mean we dishonor women. I think we do that even more so. What I'm saying is this is a rare church that actually is a man-friendly church. But because I didn't put the word friendly sure. in, now the women... The strong women, I was told, are complaining. Well, if they're strong women, why didn't sure. they come and talk to me? <laughs> they went and talked uh, yeah, exactly. to somebody else. So there's a difference between strong yeah, and loud. Yeah, I've got a strong and loud woman. She'll tell me. So you know, so I, you know, so the, I had to kind of go. Wow, I got strong women who are not a, who are unwilling to come and talk to me about a statement I made to bless their husbands. So, but that's the sure. state of the church. Men are walking on eggshells. Well, yeah, they're 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 an afterthought. It doesn't really matter if they're yeah, there exactly. or not. You know, in, in most cases, um, 
man, you, you actually, all I can think of when you said that is I want to come visit your church. It's a great, it's a, it's a great <laughs> church. It's a, it's a country church, but it's a, it's a dynamic, dynamic, wonderful church. I love our church. And so, yeah, for sure. That's but I mean, the, that's why I wrote my book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, which is coming out in the next month or so, because we need to call weak, weak and strong, strong. And we need to, we need to redefine yeah. what weakness is. Weakness is anonymity, anonymity. We need to call that out of the bleachers. Yeah. So I don't care how much you can bench or how, how much you can, you know, how good of a hunter right. you are, how good you are in sports. If you are anonymous in your church, you are weak and you need to be called. I, out. I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, so when you say, uh, you know, it says on, on your site, it says everywhere that when a man gets it, everybody wins. And so that's, that, that's exactly the benefits of, of biblical. Oh man. <laughs> well, so, well in scripture, you see over and over and over again, that when men get saved, their whole households get saved. Everybody <laughs> kind of rallies around that man. I mean, statistically, we know that when a man gets it, uh, children are better off, marriages are better off, communities are better off, churches are better off. When a man gets it, everything changes. The problem with our society, Kevin, and we talked about this offline, is that we are in some real dark times. We are in times where, yeah. you know, I, I had, uh, I give a football scholarship out to my alma mater in my name, which is the helmet behind me there, that helmet. That's okay. my alma mater. And the college and gotcha. career lady, she's a brand new college and career lady. And she sent me an email. And at the bottom of her email, it said she, her, miss, or something like that. Like the pronouns to address her as. And I'm like, yep. well, I'm going to tell you what I think you are based on your anatomy, not how you feel today, you know. And so, but that, but the problem right. is this all goes back to men who are either absent or have hurt women or have been absent, you know, 40% of children are born out of wedlock. 50% of kids from divorce won't see their dad for an entire year. So that causes damage. That causes bondage. And so we're very, very fast to point to the damage that men have caused. Men are the problem. And I yep. agree 100%. But if you can't say men are the problem, mm -hmm. and, that, and then on the other side of the coin, not agree that men are also the solution if men are the problem if right. you fix the men right. you've just fixed the problem <laughs> exactly exactly you know we have the uh what's the the yep. toxic masculinity tagline that's going through and and again that's that's one of those that there's no such thing you know there's there's masculinity and then there's a lack of masculinity there's a void there, there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. There, there's, um, you know, and, and when I look at, at biblical manhood, like I said, since 2012, this has been uh, a journey that, that's really consumed. You know, I see the the sacrificial service that starts in the home. And, you know, when we're, when we're you and I, we're on the same page. When we're talking about biblical men, we're not talking about 36% that we're not talking about any of those guys we're talking about the men who are are sticking to objective mm -hmm. biblical truth uh, sacrificial service you know selfless um security for people when, when a man is, is being a man he's like an umbrella to everyone around him. 
uh, and, and provides that emotional, yep. moral, and physical protection. Um, you know, and, and the biggest thing that the biggest benefit if, if you're a, a biblical man is, like you said, you're not anonymous, you're being seen. And you're being seen by people who don't even know we're watching. Um, and so your, your example set, you're modeling what a man's supposed to be. And I've, I've found through experience that when someone is that man, whether it's me, whether it's other men, the people around you automatically feel an expectation to also mm-hmm. behave that way to, to, or, or to be out of your presence. Um, and people by and large live up or down to the expectations you have of them. And so by, by biblical manhood, you're setting those expectations where they're supposed to be set. And it, it brings the, the crowd could be, you know, three people, it could be 300. The crowd that's under your umbrella is going to come with you. Is that something that you Oh, absolutely. I think it was JFK uh, said, a uh, rising tide causes all ships to, to climb or to rise. Yep. And, you know, it's funny. I looked up a masculinity yeah. while you were talking. Masculinity is the qualities or attributes regarded <laughs> as characteristic of men. So you, toxic masculinity is essentially an oxymoron because masculinity is a good thing. Yeah. Toxic is a bad thing. Masculinity is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So to put those together is a political statement. So they did. A, I can't remember where this came from, but you yeah. talked about, you know, having men raise the level of the group. There was a, a situation that happened in Africa yeah. where they had to relocate a bunch of juvenile male elephants because they, their their parents had been killed or poached. So they relocated this herd of uh, juvenile males and they were just wreaking havoc on the local area. They, they were causing all sorts of problems and disturbances and the biologists didn't know what to do. So they thought, well, let's do this. Let's get a herd of adult male bull elephants and put them in this herd of these juvenile males and see what happens. So they introduced this herd of bull elephants to this herd of juveniles and instantly the problem went away because those bulls came in and said, hey, boy, that's not how we do it here. And that's what men do. Men come into a situation where a bunch of males are acting stupid and they shut it down. They change the culture. They Men are culture mm-hmm. changers. Our church has a different culture because our church is dominated by men. And I don't mean, I don't mean dominated like dominating the women. I mean the men dominate the males. Sure. The males are gone. They, they don't the, exist the, in our church. Very few. They either yeah, they because either get they're on board so uncomfortable they because the the dichotomy between the two is so vast that they just can't handle it. So they either come in line or they leave. What you, you sound, we didn't talk about this part, but you sound a, a lot like me. I can tell almost all the time when I'm in, in a room or in a restaurant and wherever, when a man walks in the room that is either a dangerously good man yep. or a dangerously poor man. Um, immediately. Now, like you said, the others all fade into the background. Um, but men give yeah. off an energy that that everyone around them feeds on. You know, my mood 
changes the the attitude in my house so much it's not even fun. Um, and, and like I said, I, I'm, oh, you know, I, I have been historically always, yeah, a, you know, angry guy, kind of chip on my shoulder. Um, and, and a lot of that came from pride and insecurity. You know, trying to figure out who I am, not knowing who I am, not having a, a, the, the, the confidence of convictions that are being lived out. Um, and so that's something that, uh, you know, along with whatever other issues, uh, guys bring along yeah. with them from, from all their experiences. Um, but then, you know, let, let's, uh, let's kind of jump into the, the things that hurt faith and, and not the, the pornography and the, the big things. I'm, I mean the, the little things. And, and I, when I say little, I just mean like a comfortable living. You know, you have so many guys that just get lost in there Monday to Friday. They make a good check. They watch a lot of TV. They, you know, spend a lot of time on the cell phone. Uh, but the, that comfortable lifestyle of self-indulgence, you know, the, I, I call it the Amazon River. And, you know, and I don't mean the, the wet one in the jungle. I mean the, the cardboard box when it comes to your door every day. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I do I do my fair amount of recycling. I don't don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching that I'm I'm anti-consumerism because because I'm not. But a lot of people use that as an escape. You know, the the shopping online and the social media. And the, you know, well I've got to research this this item because I've got to have the best one. No, not 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 in all circumstances. Busying yourself so that you can know what's going on. Um, what what are some of the the those things that you see that are affecting that are that are hurting men from living out? Well, you know, our whole mission is help men become their best version, and we live in a culture. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was driving to Wyoming to take my dad on a, a deer hunt a couple of years ago, and uh, he, he had a brand new truck, and we were taking his truck. And as I'm driving, I I said, Dad, I said, I think we need to pull over somewhere i think i'm having a medical issue he said what i said yeah my hands are on fire like my hands are on fire he goes oh i have a heated steering wheel <laughs> and i'm like how soft have we become the problem i think with a lot of us is is we think that comfort is our friend <laughs> and comfort is actually our enemy comfort is not our friend we have yeah. to, you know, Jack Hafer used to said, we have to make decisions against ourselves. So we need to put ourselves in situations that will create stress, that'll create discomfort, that'll create challenge because our default is to go sit on the couch and watch Netflix. You know, it, it's our default is to sit at the house and yep. open the box. And, and, you know, we, we can't, we're so lazy anymore. We can't even go to the store to shop. Don't get me wrong. I shop Amazon, uh, but but what I'm saying is we we are so <laughs> into comfort. Right. We think it's our ally, and like anything out there, uh, Kevin, it's the enemy. And we also think wealth is our our ally. And I, I you know, First Timothy chapter five, Paul devotes a lot of time to the rich and saying, "Hey, listen, you guys, because the wealth and the wealthy really struggle." spiritually because wealth creates diversity of assets 
and diversity of assets compels you to put your time and energy into managing all those assets. And so the more assets you have, the more you have to control yep. and, and regulate, and the more time it takes away from the more important things of life, which is, you know, passionately pursuing Jesus, getting involved in your community, loving your wife and kids. And so I think we got to be really careful, which is why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, those guys are blessed. You know, blessed are those guys because they don't have as much yeah. to manage. So I, I think that's a huge, right. I think pornography is a horrible thing and it's a rancid, raunchy sin, but it is nothing compared to these underlying currents that drift a man away from Jesus. A man knows when he's got a porn problem. A man doesn't know he's got a greed problem until it's too late and he's walked away from everything. And so these silent killers, I guess That's you could true. say, they're kind of the silent killers of men like this apathy yeah. or, or another one is these guys get wounded by the church and they get wounded and they go, I'm out. I don't need the church. And, and so for me, I, although I really sympathize with those guys because I've been wounded by the church. I was in, I've been in ministry, local church ministry for 30 years. I asked the guys, listen, here's seven things sure. I want you to measure your life on. You don't go to church anymore, but you say you're loving Jesus. So tell me about your W, worship. Tell me about A, are you approaching God daily in prayer? Tell me about L, do you love other Christians in regular weekly fellowship? Tell me about K, where are you getting your knowledge of the word of God? Tell me about I, this is when they start shivering. Tell me where you're investing your resources. Tell me about oh, N, yeah. who are you nurturing in the faith? If you're <laughs> not involved in the church, who are you discipling? And then G, who are have you given your life to the gospel cause? Are you serving somewhere? And what I have found is most of these guys aren't because, you know, that woundedness has driven them away from the local church. Yeah. And over time, it's driven them away from Jesus himself. Right. I completely agree. One of the, the subtle, what I call the subtle faith killers is, is you know, silent yeah. killers, like you say, is, is poor stewardship. You know, so so I think that you were hitting that, you know, we, we may use different language to refer to it, but I yep. think we're, we're kind of coming in on the same idea. Um, and, you know, the, the whole social media thing, the, the whole uh, selfie generation of, you know, taking pictures of all your food and every you know uber ride you take and and the whole thing you know i've <laughs> i've watched people take 15 pictures of themselves before oh, wow. they have one that they post you know from across the room I, i'm just sitting there and i'm just watching this you know click and they they look and they zoom in and they you know and then whatever and then they do it again you know, they, they turn a little bit different. They do it again. And I've watched it happen 15 times and just, you know, what in the world, you know, so, so that your highlight reel is there to, to live up to or to compete with yeah, whoever is on your friends list or your, your followers list or whatever it's called. Um, you know, it, it's those. I, I, and I agree with you. You know, you, you do know if you have a porn problem. You know if you're looking at it or not. You, you may not know that your self-indulgent, comfort, uh, convenient lifestyle is is really sucking yeah. the, the soul right out of you until 
you're on the back side you know, of something. The Bible says that we are created in Ephesians chapter 2. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And if we aren't actively engaged in living out our best version and our purpose through serving others, we're, we're being selfish and greedy. And as you said earlier, we're poor stewards. People think stewardship is money and resources. It's, it's way beyond that. If we fail to steward the gifts and abilities that God has given us for the kingdom benefit, we are robbing God and we are robbing the world of experiencing our best version. And so this selfie can become a very selfish mentality if we don't focus our lives. And that's what people understand. True joy in life is not a result of all that you accumulate. You're going to give that away and die and people are downsizing all the time once they get a certain age. True joy in life, true wealth in life is those yeah. people that love you and those people that you love and those relationships you're going to take to heaven. That's where the true wealth is. We have to understand yeah. that, but the church has bought into the cultural lie that stuff is wealth and stuff is not wealth. Right. You know, and you, like you say, you know, your, your, uh, your talent, your ability, the gifts that God gave just to you as, as a person, in the package that, that you are, um, man, that that's a hundred percent right. If you're not using yep. them, you're, you're the, you're the guy burying them in the ground. And you know, when, when you come, when God comes back, you're like, Hey, I, I hid it away. I, you know, I didn't let anybody see it. You know, that, that, that look at this. Well, I think he's going to be pissed. <laughs> In that parable, he wasn't disappointed. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. You're going out to the dog. He was not, he was not disappointed. Yeah. He was, he was irked. <laughs> well, I, I'm going back yeah, to that, that righteous you. angle. Well, you that, know, that so I have an acrostic uh, for that. And the acrostic <laughs> is wreaking righteous anger towards humanity. Okay. It's wrath. It's experiencing God's wrath which is righteous anger. And so usually bad things happen when God uh, yeah. expresses it's, his wrath. Yeah, that, that's a, that's, that's very true. That's right on the money. I like that <laughs> one. I'm going to, I may have to borrow that one a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, we've been touching on it the whole time we've been talking. Uh, Accountability is a big one for me. You know, I, I invite not just, you know, the, the men that I'm close to uh, that I, you know, text regularly with and friends or my pastor, but I invite men like yourself, men who are Christian men who are walking out their faith to hold me accountable. If you see me on social media, put up, you know, a, a comment or a, a post that is contrary mm -hmm. to what we both declare our mission to be, then I not only hope you would call me out on it, I expect you to. I mean, it, it's kind of required. And, and if you don't, then I, when I do realize what I'm doing wrong, I'm going to think less of everybody that saw it and didn't say something. Um, and and well, it sounds to me you like know, you, you kind of fall into I that get, same boat. And the more our influence increases, the less likely people are to call you out. And so I got called out all the time as a 28-year-old youth oh, pastor. Yeah. I don't get called out at all anymore. Very rarely. And so when I do get called out, I, I thank them. I go, thank you so much. Because what happens is if I have a bunch of friends around me who will not call me out, 
they are either gutless cowards or they are actually enemies in disguise. So my closest friends call me out yep. uh, uh, for things I do that are, are evil or contrary to my na- uh, God's plan. They call me up to areas that I would never call. You know, we talk about the rising tide. They call me up and yep. they call me into places I would never venture alone. Right. One of my good friends died a week ago Monday. He just he was involved in my ministry. He was a uh, he was a uh, very very involved in our ministry. He was actually on my men's ministry team at our church. Uh, he just was not a very healthy guy, and he died young. And uh, and you know that guy was a guy who would call me out. <laughs> you know he was he would call me out, and uh, and, yeah. and he helped me. You know, and he and I I guess for me I thought. You know, maybe we should have called him out more on his health issues. You know, he died from health issues. But, you know, that's what we do. We call people. But here's the thing about him dying that was interesting. When somebody dies, people don't know how to handle that. And so I I instantly called his son, took his son to breakfast the next morning. And I jumped into that situation. And I called the guys around me into that situation. And that's what the other thing that a good friend does. He calls you out, he calls you up, and calls you in. And that's what we want. We want to have guys around us that do those things. And, if, yep. and I, we can use the word accountability. I actually like that word. I think it's a good word. We need to have guys around us that we say, listen, yeah. if you see anything, if you see a blind foot, you're a 6'5", 300-pounder. Did you play football? Well, that's good. At least you did something with your helmet. No, okay. I did. I was a basketball so, player. So, but I mean, it, it, with the helmet up here, there's a couple <laughs> spots on the helmet where if you if you don't have your head on a swivel, you'll get blindsided. We call that getting snot bubbled. And yep. so my inner circle of guys have to be guys that have got they've got my blind side. They've got my six. They're watching my back. And if they're not, they're enemies in disguise. Yep. Yeah. They, they really are. And, and you know, that <laughs> it's one of the things where, that I have one of my notes that I have on accountability is that it's directional. Like you said, they call you call, call them up, call them in. It's always directional. Yeah. It's always, it, it's not a scolding so much as it's a, totally. this isn't where you said you were going. You know, th- this isn't what you're called to do. This isn't your, you know, any of those things. And it's, it's directional. It's, uh, whether it's up, whether it's onward, um, man, that's that you, you hit all of those. And uh, it's so rare, especially in, in the times where, because if you go by society, everything's permissible. And just, there's absolutely nothing that that can possibly be wrong. Um, unless it comes back to objective value and, and biblical. And then you're always wrong. <laughs> but um, man, I, I tell you, this I, I'm so I'm encouraged so much. You know, a, a guy like you that's that's been in this for as long as you have, uh, and on so many different levels, and just the journey. And, um, any any of our listeners that are, are listening to this, got to visit the Men in the Arena uh, YouTube page. You got to visit their webpage. Jim's got books. Uh, his books are available on the webpage. Correct. They're probably they're available on Amazon and all that, I'm sure. But uh, I, I always encourage people to go straight to the source. Appreciate that. Uh, 
for for things like that when you can. You know, it might not have the Amazon tape on it. It'll happen. Back in your, your UPS guy will still get the delivery. <laughs> but you know, it, it's it, it's just it's encouraging for me. It's uh, it's refreshing because you know I, I'm new to this part of the fight, the public part, and you know the the mountain seems you know very steep and very tall. Uh, the the shadow of it that we're in right now is, is is dark and it is cold, and so having someone like you say the things that you said, you know, we've been in agreement on, on these things. We're, we're, yeah, you know, a little different language here and there. Head pulling the same direction, and you know, it, it's great to hear, like I said, somebody who's done it for a long time, something that's new in this aspect of being so closely aligned. Uh, go ahead and, and tell uh, everybody how to how to find you. How to you're, you're on Instagram, yeah, uh, I have to, yeah, Facebook, so it's just Jim W. Ramos. You're on all you get a hold of me personally, and our <laughs> website is meninarena.org. And I, we have a brand new website up. Uh, we just went live yesterday, and for it, yeah. And so it, we're we're realizing it's we beautiful. Do I was on it earlier today to it that we took off, and it, it's an outstanding website. And I would just add one more thing, uh, Kevin. I would say these are dark times. They are cold times. They are times of shadow, the the shadow lands. But I'll be honest with you, I, I'm excited. I, I guess for me, it's like the darker the better, because that's where our light shines. And maybe we'll be fortunate enough, Kevin, maybe we will be fortunate enough in our lifetime to actually experience biblical persecution, to experience the illegal, uh, the faith being illegal. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to really bleed for our faith because the blood of the saints is the seed of the church. And so I don't want to shrink back from that. I want to embrace that. And I want to walk into that and I want to be a light to that. And so there are a lot of believers out there like, oh, we've got to have all these things. No, we don't. We need to make it hard to be a Christian. That's when that will really impact our country. It's been too easy and too soft. We need it to be difficult. And so that's when men shine. If you know what, right. I, you know what I've noticed, I know, I know we, we got to go here, but whenever I watch the news and whenever there's a crisis, flooding, hurricane, tornado, fire, it's the men who are on the video saving lives. <laughs> men rally when the chips are down and so man we're getting to a point right now where our culture is going to be screaming for men that's who they cry for when the thing the chips are down so i'm excited about these times i really really am yeah i i I see what you're talking about you know you see the like the hurricanes that come through and then you see the videos of the guys carrying men or other guys and women and children out of out of harm's way out of the and it's not, yeah, yep. and it's not that women are cowards. Oh, both it's that men and they... love to shine in adversity. It's what we're made for. It, it, it's our design. It, it's our design. You know, and, and I know you've heard this, uh, you know, there's the, and I'm going to misquote it. I'm going to paraphrase it really. Um, that, that says hard times make soft men. Soft men yep. make hard times and hard times make good men. Yep. And uh, we're, we're back in hard times. You know we're we're uh, we're there, and so I'm 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 like you. I'm energized to see the good men that we're building to to be a part of of that. Um, you know, and and it is it's our call. It's it's men's call to 
jump into those situations to help. And it's our call to rally together and, and you know, cheer each other on yeah. and challenge each other on even more than, than cheering each other. You know, it's it's not that I want to beat you, I want to win, and I want you to lose. Absolutely. But I want us both to play hard and both to get better. You know, um, you're you're an athlete. I, I'm an athlete. When, in basketball, it's no fun to play somebody you know you're going to yeah. beat. You know, I, I want the challenge, and and so I feel like that's where we are. And um, well, it looks like we ran into a little bit of technical difficulty. I've still got Jim on. I can still hear him, uh, but it does look like we're, uh, we've we've been on video the whole time, so it looks like our video froze up and, and we disconnected that way. Uh, it may be firing back up right now. Yeah, you are. I think I'm. I think I'm back in with it. Oh, okay. Okay, I had you on audio the whole time. Yeah. Oh, I so I, I <laughs> through the other me, connection, I, I was I still you, I still so, had yeah. you. Um, uh, but you know, it's, it, it's just, it's refreshing and it, it's, uh, it helps to spur us onward, um, in the fight to, to know that there's somebody else somewhere else that's, that's leading the charge for where you are. Um, you guys are, are doing it on an international scale, uh, which, which is amazing and, and whatnot in our group, you know, is going to be more localized, more central. Um, yeah, but you know the, the only way this happens is man to man. Yep. You know, interaction, interaction. Uh, it, it's relationship. There's no other way. There's no shortcut. Uh, but you know, yeah, we're, we look like we're headed toward those times where we're going to get the uh, the blessing yep, of, of so. being persecuted for our faith. You know, and I, I know I know that's a that's a fight you're happy and willing to get into and. and you know, just know that, that me and the guys. Well, that's exciting, man. I appreciate it. And it's in, been a pleasure fight. being on the show, man. I, I really appreciate it. I uh, hope, I hope, you know, maybe in a, a couple months we'll do it again and, uh, you know, whatnot. But I, I know that yeah, you're definitely somebody that, that I've been following for a while now and I'm going to continue. All right, so there we go. That was our conversation, at least most of it, with Big Jim Ramos of meninthearena.org, or Men in the Arena. Their website is meninthearena.org. Go to their website. If you have a no, 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 not if you have a chance. Make time. Cut time out of your schedule. Go to meninthearena.org. Check out the books that Jim's written. He has a new one coming out very soon. Um, and hopefully, after he this book comes out, we can get him back on the podcast and fingers crossed we'll be doing video at that point. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning in, checking this out. If you have other men that are in this fight for biblical manhood that you'd like us to talk to, send us a message, do it through Facebook, Instagram, do it on our webpage, uh, actlikemen365.com. Let us know who you want us to talk to. Let us know what topics you want us to tackle. And that's exactly what we'll do. We want to make sure that we're addressing the issues that each and every one of you are facing. Until next time, we appreciate you tuning in. Remember, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Till next time.